This week's podcast brought to you by Pant. A lovely ritual that has uh, developed over time in our house, and that's at bedtime. Usually uh, when the lights are out, prayers have been said, uh, his sisters are tucked into bed and are on finally... On the verge of sleeping. On the verge of sleeping, but not quite asleep. Our son, who uh, takes a little while longer to fall asleep, likes to uh, put a healthy pile of Johnson's baby powder in either palm and walk into his sister's room while cranking the song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, which is not an easy listening lullaby kind of song. And he, he walks in there and he does the LeBron James chalk toss by clapping his hands together dramatically to radioactive, sending a cloud of Johnson's baby powder throughout the room. And he usually claps his hands together at the line uh, in the song that says, breathing in the chemicals. <sighs> and when he did this last night, much to the annoyance, the, the, the rage of his sisters and often to the rage and of his mother, me. you asked him to please stop doing that, to not let me ever let him do that again because one of our daughters is actually breathing in the chemicals and finding it difficult to go to sleep in a coughing fit. Yeah, I think it's fair for him to only do that in his room. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're here freezing in the basement. This is really our first fall edition of Ball and Chain. It's our pumpkin spice ball and chain, if you will. It got cold in the last week. We didn't start this podcast until, what, November of last year, I think? Something like that, So this yeah. is our, really our first sort of leaves falling uh, fall podcast. It's a great occasion. I like that. I like the pumpkin spiced version of uh, ball and chain. There we go. Do you know my favorite thing about fall? It's not the leaves. Although our son did say the other day, I love the smell of fall. I'm not sure what that is because people aren't burning leaves, but I know exactly what he's talking about. My favorite thing about fall is when the squirrels dart out in front of you in the street. They stop halfway across, and then they make the worst possible decision to head back. And then they stop again, and they decide to go for it. By that time, they're. this explains why you see squirrel roadkill all over the place, at right. least around here. They look like little bearskin rugs. That's actually one of my favorite um, moments playing at UConn. And it was, I think, our freshman year, my freshman year. And uh, Coach Oriama got really upset with uh, my roommate and our freshman guard, Pam Weber, because she was having difficulty making a decision. And in the middle of practice, and he was furious, and he just stopped, and he said, uh, you've got to make a decision. I don't care if it's the wrong decision. You have to make a decision. You know what you are right now? You're one of those squirrels that goes in the middle of the road, and it looks back and forth, and it always makes the wrong decision and gets run over. And if you can just picture Coach Oriama them then, and he was kind of in a stance, and, and, and as he was saying this about the squirrel, he was he was um, rotating right to left, right to left. And... Uh, and Pam was on the verge of tears because we were freshmen and she was getting yelled at. And all the upperclassmen were just trying to hide their faces because, of course, they were all laughing about um, what he was saying. And anyway, While so, he was pantomiming 
being a squirrel being a squirrel <laughs> yes it was at the same time hilarious and horrifying depending on what uh, if you were an upperclassman or um, a newbie <laughs> <laughs> i have here in my notes I, I i put notes in my phone every week for the podcast and this may have been from a couple of weeks ago and we just didn't get to it at some point i no longer have any idea what it means perhaps you can help it just says cage free egg mayo Yes, I know exactly what it means. We, uh, I bought a big thing of mayonnaise um, because sometimes we make tuna fish or the, our we, kids like... You don't have to like, explain the uses yeah, of mayonnaise. Okay. I think people understand. But, and I had a hard time finding the mayonnaise that we normally get in the mayonnaise. grocery store. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Okay, go what on. What do you call it? Proceed. What do you call it? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise? Mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. Anyway, people know what we're talking about. And I had a hard time finding this product in the grocery store because I couldn't find a label that looked like what I normally buy. And it's because, uh, what brand do we get? Is it Hellman's? Of course. Okay. So I think that's- Is there another brand that Kraft. you could name? Yeah, Okay, Kraft. sure. And, um, and so I finally bought it and I realized the label looked so different because they had a, the majority of the label was advertising the fact that the mayonnaise or the, how do you say it? Just say mayo. The mayo <laughs> was made with cage-free eggs. Like they were, they, they apparently whoever is working in their marketing department has has come to the conclusion that people will buy this product in greater quantities if they see that it's made with cage-free eggs. So I'm certain that's why you have it written in your notes because you were making a sandwich using the cage-free mayo. Is it more humane to? Is it less humane to cage an egg than to turn the egg into <laughs> Elman's mayonnaise? Yeah. I don't think it's about the egg. I think it's about the chicken. But um, but let's go back to the squirrel for a second because I am very cognizant when a squirrel runs out in front of me when I'm driving. So am I. To, no, to not swerve because so, I know that people get into accidents because they swerve just to try to avoid that. I do break and I do everything in my power to to not run over the squirrel. And one of the reasons, well, there's the obvious reason, you don't want to kill the squirrel, but the times that I've run over a squirrel, it bothers me the rest of the day to the point where- Of course it does, it should. To the point where if there's a secondary way I can get home or get to my destination where I don't have to revisit the scene of the crime, I will alter my route. I will make sure I don't go back on that road if I can avoid it. Because I don't want to see, I don't want to see the the poor animal. So um, so anyway, I feel bad. I feel bad for the squirrels when well, I run over. Of course you do, and I don't think I've ever run over a squirrel. I'm, of course you've run over I a haven't. squirrel. I think, I, well, maybe you haven't, because I can think maybe there's three times where I have, and you know that sound, and then you look in the rearview mirror, and oh, that awful feeling. So when you um, say you've done everything anyway. in your power to avoid running it over three times, you've done everything in your power to and avoid st- running over a squirrel, and yes. you still ran it over. Yes. Did did everything in your power include stopping? Well, I mean, you can't come to a screeching halt because then if there's a car behind you, you're you're endangering not their sc- life and not yours. A, not a screeching halt. I have I slow down. I I and, and within and don't swerve. I do everything I can while keeping the passengers in my automobile and other passengers passengers on the road safe while also trying to save the life of the squirrel. And yet you failed on multiple I occasions. I failed three times. And, and you've treated it as a squirrel hit and run, and you've left and not returned and never, to the scene. never came back. And at least I haven't gone to the, the last step. I have not gone back and left flowers. 
at the Drawing scene a little of the crime. chalk silhouette around the squirrel. Yeah. Although there, one of our neighbors does that. What? One of our neighbors does that? Yeah, we've seen not not our immediate neighbor. Oh, I've seen I've seen somebody draw like a circle around the squirrel yes. to call attention to slow down on our street. Yeah, well, we've had we've there's a there's a street not far from us, and there's squirrels dashing across that thing all the time. And uh, this is a few years ago. I'd drive down the street, and there'd be a dead squirrel in the middle of the street, laying on its back, and it have a white chalk mark around it. And then somebody would, with white chalk would have written, slow down. Right. And I saw this multiple times. And then one time, again, this was a few years ago, as I was driving down the street, I saw the woman who was doing it. That's not a hobby I planned Did she to have <laughs> little yellow police caution tape? <laughs> no. I, I don't, that's what she needs is to get a yellow piece of chalk and to write caution. But um, And, and, and one, time, one time when you ran over one of those squirrels. It wasn't and, on that and you, street. And you left the scene. A week later, you woke up in bed. And there was just the squirrel's head. The squirrel's tail <laughs> was on the pillow next to you. If you grew a ponytail, I could mistake that for it. Well. Um, it, it makes me wonder, though, like because the squirrel, when it, when when it's in the middle of the street and has the chalk around it, it's always right in the middle of the street. Like, do you think the woman who does this think the squirrel is always in the middle and she just does the chalk, or do you think she? uses something and picks no, up no, the no, squirrel no, no, no. and moves it to the I middle think she, of the street. I think she, she circles it where it fell. I think there's a code of ethics among the kind of people who do this <laughs> that stagecrafting and managing the squirrel is unethical. Yeah, you can't stage the squirrel. I wonder if there is a, a, um, a group of people who do this, if she's, if she's the only one in the world or if there's some online community where they gather, maybe they have little pendant jewelry that they wear that only they are they know. Is there an online community where they gather? <laughs> where they, you know, there's, where they yes, virtually there's, gather. There's a place where nuts <laughs> gather to protect those who gather nuts. And you'll think of a name for it soon. Happy birthday, by the way. You uh, you celebrated a birthday a few days ago. and I um, did on Saturday morning, actually. Uh, I woke up and uh, I was woken up by you with uh, what everybody wants to hear on their birthday, which was, you know you have to leave here at 8 o'clock to get Thomas to soccer by 8.30. And I said, okay. And then you disappeared for quite some time. And But what did I say when I came back? <laughs> when you came back, you said something like, it's your birthday, isn't it? No. And then you got no. my age wrong. And then no. you said, And then you said something along the lines of, did little Stevie get everything he wanted for his birthday? You made a mockery of it. And uh, then you left. That, and then, uh, and then, I, and then so I got out of bed that, and, and I, I drove. It's uh, all of it's true. And then I drove our son to a soccer game. And while I was there at eight at thirty a.m., my phone rang. It was my dad in Minnesota. We're at seven thirty in the morning, and he said, "Am I the first to wish you a happy birthday today?" And I said, "No, actually." When I woke up this morning and checked my phone, I had an email from JetBlue wishing me a happy birthday, an email from my dentist wishing me a happy birthday. And a robo email, a robo text actually, from where I, the place where I had just got glasses, wishing me a happy birthday. Did did and then uh, before I got the, I least, before I got the robo greeting from my wife. Did I at least wish you a happy birthday before you had a chance to look at your phone and see that JetBlue had wished you a happy no, birthday? No, no, JetBlue at six fifteen had wished me a happy birthday, and I saw that from them. And, and you know how they say in moments of crisis, you know who your friends really are. Right. JetBlue Jet is your friend. I um I actually failed you on your birthday. I, f I felt bad about it. You were out with our son at his soccer game, and I was with our youngest daughter at her soccer game. 
And on the way home, um, I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts to get uh, some hot chocolate and um, and some munchkins that I was going to bring home. And you asked me, please get me a frosted donut. And so I screwed up because when I was looking at the donuts they had to offer, they had the strawberry frosted that our kids like, but no adult likes. And then they had chocolate frosted and you normally like maple frosted, but they didn't have those. And I didn't think you like chocolate frosted anyway. They don't normally, they have them about half the time. It's nice when they have them, but you also have to have a plan B when right. they don't. And I, I, I failed you because I just got the like the honey glazed and we got home. Honey glazed is Mrs. Murphy's. Glazed oh, is Dunkin Just regular donuts. glazed. Okay. Hun- Mrs. Murphy's, by the way, is the best donut place in the world in Southwick, Massachusetts for any anybody who's ever driving through my, my hometown of Southwick, Massachusetts. Anyway, when I got home and had, you know, a bunch of munchkins for the kids and a couple and a muffin for our son and a donut for you, I'd gotten you the wrong donut. And you just looked at it. And I felt bad because after I'd gone to the to, to Dunkin' Donuts, I'd also gone to the grocery store. It took me a while to get home. And I have a feeling that you were really looking forward to this I donut. Was. And you had a long time to look forward to this donut. And by the time it got there, you looked at it as if it was roadkill, as if it was if I'd picked up that chalk chalked squirrel and brought it home for you for breakfast so i'm sorry about that but later that day our uh, 12 year old daughter who loves baking she with the help of the seven-year-old daughter made you a, a birthday cake a carrot cake your favorite we we used our son's darth vader cake pan and um at least you got homemade cake right <laughs> it was great it was a delicious cake and a a, uh, a teal darth vader a teal frosted darth vader that was all our 12 year olds idea it was awesome um well we'll get let's but get I think the most touching to... moment i think the most touching okay. moment of that morning was after you woke me but before i left for soccer my son came down in his full soccer gear and he said dad do you know what today is and i said of course i do and he said it's the first day of fall. And he wasn't kidding. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. It was sweet. He was excited. Well, let's get back to your birthday emails. You got one from the place where you just purchased, finally, your new glasses. And, and if Denny is on the ball, Denny with one N is on the ball, he will once again find that audio clip from months ago when... We talked about the fact that I thought it was going to take you weeks to get a new pair of glasses. Instead, of course, it took months to get a new pair of glasses. You're still not wearing them because they're not in. The reason I'm not going to see it is because I don't have any glasses. <laughs> and, and Rebecca, why, why don't I have any glasses? The reason you don't have any glasses is because I was making the bed. And while I was making your side of the bed... Selflessly. Selflessly. You not only made your side of the bed, you also made, made my both side sides of, the bed. of the bed. And while I was doing that, I, I took a step and I just heard crunch. And I realized I had stepped on your glasses. Now, I did not I, put your glasses... I, I, I was wearing them at the time. <laughs> well, I found them later when you came downstairs with... I mean, these things were mangled. completely mangled. One lens was out. <laughs> the arms were in opposite directions. And, and, it, and the first thing... Do we still thing, have them? I'll yeah, take we, a picture. I'll the post first it. thing that I thought... I'll post okay. it on, the, on our Twitter. The first thing Twitter. that I thought was she always hated these glasses and made no bones about it. <laughs> I never told you I hated yes, those you, glasses. You told, me, you told me you didn't like the glasses. And I wondered, did she do this on purpose? I tried to persuade you to come with me 
to get glasses because I don't have to look at me in glasses. Therefore, I don't really know what I'm looking for. I always say that when I'm looking out of our house at the neighbor's house, I'm glad that they live in that nice looking house because that's the house that I have to look at. I don't have to look at my own house. That's what right? my, my mother used to say. She said, you have the best house on the street because you get to look at the neighbor's house and they have the prettiest house on the street. So there you go. So I'm relying on the lady who works at the glasses shop to choose the glasses for me. And it came down to two finalists. I took pictures of both and tried to send them to you. They wouldn't go through. And so I just chose one. I came home. My daughter had to look at something on my phone and she saw the first picture of the glasses. She said, oh, you got new glasses? I really like them. I said, thanks, but those aren't the ones I chose. I chose these. And I swiped left, I guess, swiped right, whatever it was. And she sa I said, I got these glasses. And she said, oh, those make you look like a girl. <laughs> um, I love the honesty. And I love the fact that you swiping right was met with um, a female who was shutting you down because it kind of gives you a glimpse into what your life would have been like if you were that, that makes younger. me feel like Denny you know, with one end. It makes you feel, <laughs> exactly. It makes you feel like Denny with one end. I like that you said, what was the phrase? I always say, um, because that phrase cracks me up. That phrase always cracks me up when I hear somebody say it. You know, I always say, and it's followed by whatever, because they, they are really proud of the wisdom that they're imparting on you. I, I always say, like, what would be the thing that you, you actually always say other than, you know, the thing about the house? I always say, what's for dinner? Yeah, that, that would be one of them. Our, our kids, I always say, hopefully we don't have breakfast for dinner. You're expecting something profound when a person proceeds it with, I always say. It's yes. like I always say. Right, exactly. Well, but even even if not, like... That's just sort of, it's sort of, uh, you know, a, not obnoxious, but you're you're a little bit it's full obnoxious. of yourself thing to say. I Well, I, as you know, I always say. Well, I'm glad that what I did have to say after that was indeed profound. But what you always say is, can I just say? I do. You precede a lot of statements with, can I just say? Yes, you, you, you can say anything you like. Yes. No, I do, I do say, the lot, say that a lot. And maybe I'll try to not, not say that so much. Can I just say that I won't say that as much as... I've said in the past. Well, as I always say, you're free to say anything you like. I was at the mall, at my rare trip to the mall, I don't go to the, the mall very much, buying you a birthday present last week. And when I got to the clothing store that I was going to, there was a line outside of, I don't know, 10 or 12 people. And uh, I went into the store and I asked the, the saleswoman, I said, is there some kind of protest going on or, or why is there a line outside the store? Are these cage-free pants? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you'll have to tell me if you are if you are in a cage or not. But, uh, but this line's outside the store. And she said the reason for the line was that the next day, Apple was releasing its new iPhone. And all of these people were lined up. And we're going to spend the night at the mall so that they could be the first 10 or 15 people into the store, which seems like an unbelievably poor use of anyone's time. But I didn't go into the Apple store. I, so I, they sleep in the mall overnight? Yeah, I guess you can sleep in the mall overnight. You can't sleep in the mall overnight. Maybe, maybe it's just for this event. I don't know. But you know, they open up the mall early and leave it. Um, open late for people who go in to walk. So maybe just for this event, because all the stores, of course, why are would locked a, why and closed. Why would a, a phone get special dispensation? I don't know, but that's why they were there. 
who knows? That's like my reverse night at the museum. Night at the museum or, you know, the fantasy of getting locked into a, a baseball stadium or, you know, someplace that you, you could eat all the popcorn all that. A mall, it seems to me, would be the worst place, for, in my view, to be locked in overnight. That would, be, that would be something to induce nightmares. So anyway, so I left the mall, drove across the street to go to Best Buy because we needed to replace the phones in our house, the landline phones. Yes, we still use landline phones. I don't, you know, it's for all the, the voicemails that we don't want to get. We never answer the landline. The only person who ever calls us on our landline that we actually know is my dad. You say landline, but you and I actually call it the cordless phone. The cordless phone. Even though all of our phones are cordless now, with the exception of the, the rotary dial phone with 50 feet of coiled cord I have on my desk. But that's, that's uh, uh, there for nostalgia purposes. It well, works, and I use it. So I, go, I went into Best Buy, and so I, I saw this young guy, and I said, I'm looking for the phones that aren't cell phones. And he just looked at me like I was kind of crazy, and I said, you know, the ones that you plug in at your house. You couldn't say landline? I, well, I eventually said landline. Anyways. Did he know what that was? Well, yes. But when we went over, it, w- it was the one part of Best Buy where the shelves looked like the bread aisle when there's a snowstorm coming. They were just picked over. There weren't many phones there. And I said to him, does anybody buy new landlines now? And um, he said, no, not really. And so... Was, was this guy surprised when you got rung up and he saw your email address ended with AOL.com? <laughs> we hadn't gotten there yet, um, but he was super helpful. He's actually a senior at UConn. He was a really nice guy. And um, so we settled on you know these two simple phones just to, to replace the ones that are no longer working. But I was laughing as I was reading the box because a couple of the selling points of the phone we got was one, it had an extra large LCD display. And the second one was that it had oversized buttons. And I was thinking, of course, because the only people who still use landline phones, the only people in 2018 who are purchasing them are people our age with fat fingers and bad eyesight. Did it have a giant button in the middle that just said help on it with an exclamation mark? Maybe the life alert or the... Yeah, it needed it. And maybe the phone itself would just say help. Oh. It was, there was it was the phone when I went to call somebody. It was just one giant button, and it just said, <laughs> "I've fallen and I can't get up." <laughs> well, I was that person leaving leaving Best Buy with a relic that I'm surprised they sell anymore. That was me. Um, yeah. <laughs> And actually, this is this also brings me back to my days at UConn. Uh, I think I was a s- senior. And, you and, were a different kind of senior then. <laughs> right. And people, a couple of people from NBA Entertainment were there. They were going to, they were filming something on UConn for Inside Stuff, uh, the, the show about the NBA and, and basketball and all sorts of other stuff. And uh, they were in our dorm room and my roommate and I had just purchased a new phone. It was a, the first cordless phone that we had had. <laughs> cordless. It was that cord- was when cordless was an amazing yes. feature. I know, I know. And, uh, but we couldn't get our cordless phone to charge. Look, I'm no longer tethered to the base <laughs> unit in the kitchen. And it was either the cameraman cameraman, or the audio guy from NBA Entertainment. And he said, well, did you put the battery in? And of course we hadn't. The battery, the little tiny battery that goes in the handset of the phone was still in the box. And uh, Of course, the cameraman was the tech genius. Yeah. And for years and years after that, when I was playing in the WNBA and then still after that when I was calling games, 
uh, he was still working for NBA Entertainment. And every time we saw each other, he would bring up the fact that I didn't know how to put the battery in the phone. But so the new phone that I got at Best Buy with the one big button <laughs> and that giant LCD, the, the technology for those is exactly the same. You still have to get the little battery and plug it into the handset and charge the handset and all of those things. So no one is even bothering to try to do anything to improve the technology on those phones other than make the buttons bigger. <laughs> it comes with a preloaded, uh, outgoing voicemail of an old person, two old people saying, is this is this on now what do we is this where we tell them to leave a message well that actually makes me think of the uh the telemarketing calls that you get now and you answer them and then somebody on the other end will will as if it's not a recording you know they have them say something um are you there hello or, or something to, to make you think that it's actually another human being on the other end of the phone but uh but all of those people will now go to our go to the voicemail and our new uh our new landline. I remember when cordless phones were new and exciting, and my dad got one, and he put it on his nightstand, and he was showing us all how it works. Not that we didn't know, but he showed us the speed dial feature, and for speed dial, you had to program in a number, and then you also had to program in a symbol, so it was like dial one pound or pound one or something like was, that. It was like star one. Star one. Yeah. And he showed us that uh, this was very important we all know this should anything god forbid happen in the house he had programmed 911 as a speed dial now instead of dialing 911 you would dial like star seven or something and we're like what nobody's gonna remember that right to save to to save save one to save one thing that also reminds me when i was driving our daughter and her friend to school today they were talking backstreet boys came on the radio and they, they are into these retro boy bands kind of and her friend said something about uh NKOTB and our daughter, I was very proud of her, said, Why do people say NKOTB when New Kids on the Block is the same number of syllables? It doesn't save you any time to say NKOTB. It takes the same amount of time to say New Kids on the Block. And I thought that was uh, my parenting work is done. You, you've, you've succeeded there. Well, our daughter has been, you know, in high school now and, and dealing with the rigors of high school curriculum and has had the the fun experience of doing geometry for the first time. And I've enjoyed the fact that that she seems to embrace geometry about as much as you did when you were a kid. And, and it was unbelievable to me when you told me about a certain dream or nightmare that you had when you were a boy. And I think our, our ball and chain listeners would enjoy hearing about it. It wasn't a dream or a nightmare. It was a recurring dream for a couple of years. I, I was a sleepwalker in middle and high school. And people think of sleepwalking, you have your arms out like a Frankenstein walking zombie. Like, no, I, was, I would run through the house in the middle of the night, terrified, having a, a kind of waking dream. But you were asleep, but I would run into my sibling's room. One night I ran into my parents' room, threw open the door, uh, turned on the light switch and yelled at three o'clock in the morning, they're gonna blow up the world. I have no idea what dream I was having when, when that was happening, but uh, more often than not, these dreams I was I was being chased through the house by numbers and algebraic equations and greater than symbols and uh, signs and cosines and all of that stuff. All of the stuff that I was clearly having a lot of anxiety about, uh, you know, test the next day or going to algebra the next day or going to geometry the next day. 
it was not in my wheelhouse. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable to me because it's 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 such like a a cartoonish movie scene, but that you actually would have that. And and our oldest daughter also has in the past sleepwalked. And um, one of our most frightening experiences as parents. I think you can was, still say sleepwalked as the past tense. I don't think you have to say sleptwalked. Well, sleepwalked, whatever. One of our most frightening experiences. That's another thing I probably say frequently when I'm listening to you. Whatever. <laughs> like I always say, whatever. Can I just say whatever? <laughs> One of our most frightening experiences as parents was, and I don't remember why this happened, but um, we woke up and it was in the middle of the night. Maybe it was two in the morning. And we must have been startled somehow, but we, we went to our daughter's room and she wasn't in her bed and we couldn't find our daughter and at the time she might have been what six years old five years old six years old she was a little kid and you and I are looking at at each other like where is she we start going through the entire house at some point we ended up in the boiler room I did I ended up alone checking the utility room in the basement as if that was a possibility and the only thing that was keeping me from losing my mind that that somebody had come and stolen our daughter was that the alarm was on so I knew that she had not left the house on her own or nobody had come into the house because the alarm was still on but it took us forever we were probably looking for what 30 minutes or maybe it just seemed like that and then we come back into our bedroom and there's a chair in the bedroom we look over and 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 to tell the truth the chair often has piles of clothes on it that I have yet to put away after folding we look over and our five or six year old whatever she was at the time was asleep amidst the clothes but she had slept slept walked sleepwalked into which of course was the most horror movie scene of all right bad enough that we're walking through the house but then to find her sleeping uh, in a pile of laundry. Oh, probably at the time being chased by a an addition or subtraction symbol. But uh, she has inherited your penchant for sleepwalking on occasion, but and it, perhaps being chased by quadratic equations. In every one of those dreams, in every one of those nightmares, I was rescued by words. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Actually, wasn't we? Were, we were telling this story to one of our a, friends. I was expecting a more. Uh, uh, a sardonic reaction. No, because we, we were telling the story at lunch recently to one of our friends, and that he had the great line of, and then you fell into a, a pile of letters, and everything was okay. <laughs> I have another random note on my phone from sometime in the last couple of weeks. I also don't know what it means. I don't even know how to pronounce the first word or brand name. Athleta or athleta? Oh, I know exactly what this is, um, because I'd shown you an email that I'd gotten from athleta. Um at least that's how I pronounce it. It's a clothing store that I like because they make some things in tall sizes. So pants, spandex, whatever, I can purchase stuff in tall sizes. So I'm on their email list. So I get emails from them frequently. And last week I got an email from them and the header was, hack your commute with these pants. <laughs> so everything now is a hack. So um, I have to dispute that because my notes say, it said, hack your commute with this pant (laughs) well maybe oh yeah you're right it is hack your commute with this pant so somehow there's a particular pant that you can purchase what what, what do you mean a particular pant is it only of one leg i don't know a particular pair of pants because a a single pair of pants is called a pair of pants right so a single pant presumably is would be half a pair of pants right yeah i i 
Here's Either how, way, here's how, how you hack your, ha- here's how how you hack your commute. You go to work wearing only <laughs> one leg of your pants. They fire you. You don't have to commute anymore. It's a much shorter commute. That, yeah. That's yeah. how I've hacked my commute. <laughs> All these I, years. I come downstairs to my office, home office without pants. Well, I'm eager to see exactly how um, how that pant or pair of pants is. Uh, how what does that even mean to hack mean your commute? Everybody, it everybody, mean everybody wants to hack everything now, you know, because because all of these uh, things that have made life more convenient and easier now need to be hacked uh, for even greater ease. I talked about purchasing your the wrong donut for you on your birthday after being at our daughter's soccer game. And um, I forgot what soccer is like at this age. She's only nine, and um, or no, she's seven. How old is she? She's only she's, nine. She's, she's seven. seven. <laughs> we also she's have a nine-year-old. Nine. We also have a nine-year-old. In my defense, so she's only seven. And so you're at the field, and you know the coaches and the teams sit on one side. Parents aren't allowed to sit on that side. So all the parents are on the other side. And soccer fields, she's playing on a big soccer field now. So kids who are on the parent side of the field, there's no way they can hear the, the coach coaching. I, I don't know what you were going to say. I wasn't at this game. But remember, you're going to see these same people on no, Saturday. No, I know. I know. But so all the parents, in a very well-meaning way, are trying to tell their kids what to do. Like if a kid has a throw-in and all of their teammates are like on the defensive side, they're trying to encourage the kids, you know, the, the couple of them, to go forward so there's somebody somebody to throw the ball to or they're just spacing is not great at yes, that age. Yes. And but the parents are so encouraging and it was cracking me up because um all the names, you know, all all the parents are just are just going back and forth and it's almost like a symphony. So I would hear, you know, the percussion, go Emma, go Emma, go Emma. And then you'd hear the, the uh, strings, go Bella, go Bella. And then the horns, go Mealy, go Mealy. And it was just like the whole time as these parents are are going, um, it's, you know, encouraging the kids. But there's this one dad in particular, and I haven't met him, although his daughter's on our daughter's soccer team. And he was my favorite because he was rooting not only for his daughter, but any kid on his on our team that he if he knew her name. And it's not a lot because this is only their second game. He would, you know, encourage every girl whose name he knew. And then if he didn't know the name, he would call her by the, her number and then ask around, you know, what's number nine's name? What's number nine's name? And he was just into it. And it was sweet. And the other thing I liked is I, I don't know if it was his daughter or another girl. And she scored a goal. And after she scored the goal, she just, you know, turned around and, and he said, put your arms up, cheer. You got to celebrate your scores. And he was right because in that particular game, our daughter's team got crushed. I think the final score was 15 to three. But my favorite moments by far in this seven-year-old girl soccer game was when the goalies somehow by accident usually made a save. And it didn't matter, you know, because each team had multiple goalies. It didn't matter which girl it was. As soon as she picked up the soccer ball, she would hold it in the air. And it looked um, it looked exactly like um, when Simba was held up in the air in The Lion King. Like she'd pick it up and, and her arms would be straight overhead. And I was waiting for the clouds to part and the sun to come through. And you'd hear, oh, as the ball was like lit up by the sun. It was absolutely perfect and so sweet and so seven-year-old girls playing soccer. But now I'm going to throw this out to you and to anybody listening in our audience. So I, I was trying to look up 
you know, a video of that to maybe post on our Instagram, which is at ball and chain pod. And so Simba's dad was Mufasa, but Mufasa is not the one who held him up. He was held up by another, I think it was a lion or something else. And I can't find the name of the character who actually walks out in front of Mufasa and holds up Simba. I Googled it. I couldn't find it on Google. So if anybody has watched that movie recently, because I don't have the, the time or energy to do that, and knows the name of the animal that held up Simba, do you think it was let a, us know Do you that. think it was a production gaffe and, and that they accidentally left the stunt Mufasa in the frame? <laughs> no, Mufasa and the mom, whose name I don't remember, Lion, were you know just laying there proudly looking at Simba as this other gray thing held Simba up. So, so you're asking if, if any of our if listeners any of our listeners have watched it if, recently. If any of our listeners have Googled. No, I and, told and, you. I Googled and, it and I couldn't find the name. And that is possibly a long shot. <laughs> I already. If any of our listeners have a cordless phone. I've, I already, already prefaced it with, I tried to find it on Google and I couldn't find it well, on Google. Well, just to get back to your soccer story for a moment, I once interviewed George W. Bush when he was president in the White House and asked him his favorite sports moment he had owned the texas rangers and uh without hesitation he said when his twin girls were playing soccer at about the same age seven one of them and they weren't good by his own estimation but one of them did accidentally he said at that age it was just uh laura and i called it swarm ball which is exactly right it's everybody's gathered around the ball and the, the swarm just sort of moves around the ball but one of his daughters accidentally scored a goal and uh, he and his wife were so surprised and happy that they spontaneously leaped into each other's arms with tears in their eyes. And, um, and that was his greatest sports moment. And I can understand that because if one of our kids ever accidentally scored a goal, I think we'd have the same reaction. And, yeah, exactly right. I don't know, uh, I don't know if I brought this up um, on the podcast or not, but that makes me think of the, the ESPN. I don't know if it's a documentary or what from 9-11 where it showed George Bush at, in, in the World Series coming out and throwing out the first pitch. Um, I'd never seen that before until recently, and it was super moving and interesting. And Derek Jeter and, and George Bush are both telling stories about when they ran into each other in the clubhouse before Bush went out, President Bush went out to throw that pitch. So anyway, if, if anybody hasn't seen that, Google it. It's Google it. It's really interesting. I was there, but I didn't see the first pitch because I was in some subterranean holding pattern while all of that was going on. So I was talking about getting the donut and then getting hot chocolate at Dunkin' Donuts on your birthday. Well, just yesterday, um, I picked up our son from school and um, he and I went to Starbucks to get a hot chocolate. And uh, we got the hot chocolate. He didn't want to stay in um, in Starbucks. We just were sitting in the parking lot in the minivan as, as he was drinking his, his hot chocolate in the back seat. And all of a sudden, rap, 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 there's a knock on the passenger window. And I'm startled, and I look over, and there's just a guy standing there. So I turn the car on so I can put the window down a little bit. And he said, did you play basketball? And I said, yes. He said, I thought so. And he reaches his hand into the window that's not completely down, half down. And I just reach my hand across and shake it. And he, and he pulls his hand back out the, out of the window and, and Thomas, our son, looks at me. He's like, that scared me. But the best part was the guy in some ways reminded me of you because after he did that, he was walking into Starbucks and I look over 
and he's holding the phone, his cell phone up to his ear and he's speaking really loudly. But the that reminded you of me. No, no, this part did. He also had his earbuds plugged into the phone, but they were dragging on the ground. So he was talking, but the person clearly couldn't hear him and he couldn't hear them because you know, the earbuds have the microphone too. And they were dragging on the ground behind him as he just had like lost his, his mind for a second, either forgot that those the earbud was plugged in or I don't know what, but that part I could see you do. I could see you walking across the parking lot thinking you're having a conversation, wondering why you can't hear the person and they can't hear you, but it's because the, the earbud well, uh, was still <laughs> plugged I, in. I don't have earbuds and I seldom talk on the phone, but the way this would be me is every once in a while, I make a phone call and I get on a roll talking and you're talking to somebody and you don't realize that you have, uh, and then at the end of your great story, there's silence and you say, hello, hello, and you don't realize that you had been Dis- disconnected <laughs> long ago, five minutes ago. And I know I've done this twice already, but I'm going to do it a third time. I'm going to bring this back to my days at UConn. And um, this might have been after UConn, but it was still a, a Coach Oriema, a piece of wisdom from Coach Oriema. And his wisdom was this. He said, um, we were talking about talking on cell phones or whatever. And he said, if you ever you you know want to just get off the phone with someone, all you have to do is hang up while you are talking because... Then, of course, they think the call dropped because no one hangs up on themselves. <laughs> In mid-sentence. It's funny because... So I think because that's a phenomenal piece of advice. I, I called Gino uh, for the Lindsay Whalen story I wrote this summer, and halfway through our conversation, in mid-sentence, he was in mid-sentence. The, the conversation got cut off. <laughs> and you never called back. Never called back. And you're still waiting. Yes. <laughs> and now it's time for... What, Dave? Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. So one of the things that's interesting, maybe interesting, is I would say I get every month maybe 15 to 20 letters with people sending. uh, Usually it's a trading card, a basketball card for me to sign or something for me to sign in return to them. And, And at some point, there must have been a book or something that you know, tells people if you want to have an athlete sign a card, you need to write this kind of formulaic letter. And usually it's, you open up the letter and it's a full page somebody has written and all they do is mention all of the things that you've accomplished. Like uh, one I would get, for example, would say, when you were at UConn in 1995, you won a national championship. When you were the Liberty XYZ, when you were with the Olympic team XYZ, and, and like they just, it's a litany of things. In case you don't know. In, ca- yeah, in case you don't know what you, you used to do. But every once in a while, one stands out. Every and, once and in I, a while, I, one stands out and I, just... I, can I maybe just say, yes. earlier this week, I was deleting a couple of thousand redundant photos off my phone. I came upon one of those letters. I wish I had screenshot it again because I can't find it in my phone because I still have a few thousand on the phone. But I took a picture of one that said, that began, Dear Mr. Lobo. And it wasn't wasn't to me. <laughs> it was to me. It was to you. I've been a fan of yours ever since you played at UConn. And yet he thought you were a man. Well, perfect. Well, sometimes you get Dear Sir slash Madam. Anyway, this one, so I open one and it's, you know, a whole page handwritten and you're like, okay, I've got to read this whole page. But this one caught me a little bit off guard. So anyway, dear Rebecca, I sure hope my letter finds you and your family doing awesome. 
I, us I am usually sending you a letter asking you for a signed business card for a signed business card collector. He puts in parentheses, you never send me one, exclamation mark. <laughs> that, of course, is because I don't have business cards. But anyway, he said, not this time. I wanted to tell you a quick story. I work for the largest beverage company in the world, and I walked into a sales meeting last week. The meeting starts, and the boss stands up in front of all 50 of us and says, this person's name, why are you the only one in here that didn't complete your safety training online this month? And I said, I didn't have time because I was listening to Lobo's podcast. He looked around the room and says, quote, what the is a Lobo's podcast? And then this guy writes, best thing ever. Um, love you guys. Keep up the good work. So anyway, I did not expect that to be <laughs> the letter, but I love the fact I have to do these for ESPN too. the safety training online stuff. You have to go on and watch a video and then answer questions about it, you know, every few months. So I love the fact that he didn't do this because he was, <laughs> he was listening to our podcast, well, but even better that that was his boss's response. You and should, you should have business cards printed up so you can sign one and send just for him. Card. Well, on the back, he writes, I still need one of your business cards autographed for my collection. And then he draws a angry face. So anyway, and, I, and, I will and, definitely I will definitely send Mike something, but I, I appreciated the element of surprise at the end of that letter. That that, <laughs> in, that was not what usually he, there. What he doesn't say, but I, I hope is true, is is at the end of the month he's going to take all of his signed celebrity business cards, put them in a fishbowl, and choose one for a free lunch at Chili's, <laughs> or even better, a free uh, case of whatever beverage he is uh, beverage company he works for. And these come from our Twitter handle, at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter. We are at Ball and Chain Pod. And uh, last week, I think it was last week, we were talking about things that you would not want to have named after you. We talked about airports, rest stops. Um, somebody, by the way, wrote in and said a disease would probably be something you don't want named oh. after you. That's the clear winner. Um, but Leslie said, Oklahoma has two airports. Oklahoma City has two airports. Will Rogers World Airport and Wiley Post. Both... Men are known for many things, but they died together in a plane crash. <laughs> so the two airports in Oklahoma City are named for two guys who died together in a plane crash. That could have been better planned out. We have uh, a tweet from Flipper who said, I took my first Uber ride tonight. It was 90 minutes and I was prepared to take notes on what was sure to be an epic trip. 90 minutes? Yeah. I don't know whoever takes a 90 minute How Uber much did trip. that cost? I'm sure it was pricey. He said, but my driver was normal. Such a letdown. So I'm sorry, Flipper. That is the not the norm. So uh, No apologies necessary. If you're on a 90-minute Uber ride, I, I think you're grateful that your driver is normal. Yeah. Here we go from Jeff Mazella, and he sent a picture of this. I'll retweet this one. He said, my wife and I are in a debate. We are having fish sticks, and she told me to get a fork because fish sticks are not a finger food. She's wrong. What do you think? Are fish sticks a finger food, Steve? In some places, they're known as fish fingers, aren't they? I don't know that I've ever heard them call fish fingers. He was he and he sent a picture. They look like the ones that you buy in the grocery in the frozen food aisle. They kind of look like mozzarella sticks. In the UK, um, what we think of as fish sticks, they're called fish fingers over there. And I think the imp implication there, since fish don't have fingers, is that it is okay to eat as a finger food. Of course, it's the same shape, texture, and taste as a mozzarella stick. You wouldn't exactly. eat a mozzarella stick with a knife and fork or in a bun. No, so, fish so sticks are clearly a finger food. I mean, when, I, when I was a kid, we would have fish sticks on Fridays during Lent uh, on a hamburger bun. Three fish sticks across 
on a hamburger bun with ketchup. And and uh, I don't know why we don't do that now. You wouldn't have them with tartar sauce? You'd have them with ketchup? Uh, tartar sauce was an option, but we didn't know. Would you have them with... It's better with ketchup. Would you have them with mayonnaise? I wouldn't have them with mayonnaise or mayonnaise. Well, it's interesting that you say they're like a mozzarella sticks because the person who sent us this tweet was named Jeff Mazella. So pretty close to mozzarella. Okay, here we go. Well, Nate. Well, 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 yeah. well, well, but, you know, and, and I just should just add in Penny Lane for a fish and finger pie. I think this this that's the uh, that's the smoking gun that links fish sticks and fingers. That's the smoking gun we've all been looking for. Yeah. Penny Lane. Okay. Nate said he he's reading the pint man. He said, and all I do is picture Maraid as Rebecca and Rodney as Steve. Is it loosely based on you two? Is Nate's question. Well, you know, I had the uh, I had the the uh, misfortune when I was writing the novel of thinking that people would take fiction as fiction, but everybody thinks it's it's biographical. And I did spend a lot of time in dive Irish bars with you. We met in one. The Dublin House, and our first date, if you could call it that, was in another, the Emerald Inn, on Columbus Avenue, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the places in the in the novel are real, and um, you know, a lot of the people are people that resembled um, people that I know. But no, I, I it, the the characters are fictional, and uh, I had I was coming out of Mass after that novel came out and a lady came up to me and said she had read it she had liked it but at the end I felt I felt bad for Rodney I felt bad for him and she looked at me with grave concern as if she felt bad for me and to make the distinction that I was not Rodney I said and I kind of regretted saying it later I said well he's not real you know <laughs> which which was kind of a uh, of a of a as you always say. Yes, it, it was. It was kind of a rude thing to say because, of course, when you're creating, you know, fiction, you want you want it to be plausible, believable. You want to create a world that people can believe. And when somebody believes it and expresses that to you, I shouldn't have said, you know, that's not real, you know. But I, I also wanted to put up that limousine divider between myself and, you know, this made-up guy. And the guy in the Starbucks parking lot. Um, uh, but of course, I'm sure that's the only time you've ever said something <laughs> that you've regretted. And I've talked, I've told this story before, but because people have asked me that before, you know, was Maraid based on you? And I say, no, the only characteristic of mine that is in The Pint Man is when you're talking about the ex-girlfriend's, one of the ex-girlfriend's annoying traits. And as I was reading the book, the ex-girlfriend's name is Rachel, who, of course, that's my sister's name. But... I was, I'm reading about the, the ex-girlfriend and how she had this annoying habit of, you know, if she, something, when she was checking out, purchasing something, if it came to $9.03, she would count out the three cents. Or if it came to, you know, ten oh, that... seventy six she would count out the, 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 the money from her change purse. And at the time, before I went exclusively to credit card, I would do that. And I remember thinking, oh, this is nice. That He's written a novel. And that... the only trait of mine that's in here is in the annoying ex-girlfriend. That was 100% based on you. But my dad also does that, and it drives <laughs> me crazy. And the name Maraid comes from a student, former student of your mother's. I remember your mom saying, when we were searching for baby names, and uh, we liked two of our kids have Irish names, um, your mother said she had a student named Maraid, and... Uh, Nobody knew how to pronounce it, and so the student would say to teachers... The mother would send her with a note. The mother would send her with a note, her name is Maraid, it rhymes with parade. And so that went directly into the novel. 
And um, I, I remember because when we had our youngest, our third daughter, our fourth child, we weren't quite sure what to name her. And um, I remember thinking at the time or before that, you know, I love the name Maraid. I would love to name our daughter Maraid, but we can't because you used it for the character in the book. So um, her name that she has fits her much better anyway. All right. The next one comes from Matthew Bartleson, one of my favorite people on Twitter, just because he's funny. He said, uh, I'm behind on the podcast, but I hope Steve does grow out the back of his hair for that ponytail. I've termed that word a skullet, if you will. I like it. What do you think? Bald everywhere, the ponytail in the back, a skullet. I'm no longer going to get the ponytail. I'm going to get I'm going to get the the bald mullet, the skullet. Yes, I think that's the that's the next step for you. A skullet and a monocle. What a skullet could be better? <laughs> and a skillet, and then I'm going to open my own pancake restaurant, and, and it'll be like Bob's Big Boy, but it'll just be me with a skullet holding a skillet, serving breakfast for dinner. All right, and then finally, well, finally for me, once again, Twitter handles at Ball and Chain Pod. This came from our resident educator. She said she just watched The Princess Bride with her daughter. And then she asked, what movies were we excited to share with our kids? Can you think of the movies we were excited to share with our kids? Well, I was excited to put them through the same uh, traumatic experiences I had as a kid with with uh, the movies that really, you know, the milestone movies of my childhood. So, you know, my dad took me to Jaws when I was too young to see it after we begged him to take us all summer. So it, it terrified me, as it would anybody at that age, except when our oldest daughter saw it, she thought it was hilarious. The fake rubber shark, you know, the... But when the, she asked to see it, I, I remember saying, I don't want her to see it yet because she'll be scared. And you said, no, she should see it because you apparently wanted then, her. And then another another kind of uh, milestone movie of my childhood was E.T. And, and um, when our son saw it, it completely freaked him out. To this day, uh, he he doesn't liked hearing the word E.T. He certainly doesn't want to see any images of E.T. His younger sister torments him with E.T. and uh, holds it over his head. So those two come to mind. But when they were little, especially our older two were little, we showed them, I mean, we played over and over and over again, The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. And those were two when I was a kid that, you know, I remember watching uh, when they would come on TV annually but uh, our two oldest girls watched those uh, at least 50 times, I would say, when they were little. What's one thing I enjoy now is watching Star Wars with our son. And, and uh, he you know, had watched 4, 5, and 6, which were the original th- 3. And I had never seen episodes 1, 2, or 3. And the, the, actually, The ones that they made after the fact. Right, and, right. And, and recently, within the last month or two, I watched episode 1 with our son. And that was a blast because he was able to explain things to me as we're watching. And he was totally into it, loved Star Wars. But like he could tell he was enjoying explaining stuff to me. And um, and along those lines, uh, one movie that uh, that's a more recent movie, but we would not have watched it if it wasn't for our kids that I absolutely love is the Muppet movie, uh, the Jason Siegel Muppet movie, which is fantastic. The soundtrack is it's called The Muppets. It's the not Muppets. the Muppet movie. Okay, it's the, the Muppets. Muppets. And we we watched that DVD again recently, and uh, and again with our son and our younger daughter, and had a blast. And I didn't tell you this, but our son 
yesterday after we were frightened by the guy in Starbucks, <laughs> said to me, he said, Mom, the Muppet movie that has Kermit in the boat at the beginning singing, he said, can we see that one? And of course, that's the original Muppet movie. So we're going to have to watch that. It's nice when these remix make them want to watch those movies. But I can I don't remember where the theater was, but I can picture in my brain exactly what the inside of the theater looked like where I was sitting when I watched that original Muppet movie. So um, it'll take me back there when I when I get to watch it with our kids. And I have an email from uh, George in Columbus, our resident eye care professional, our jocular ocular uh, eye expert. George writes, uh, Stephen, Rebecca, I've been thinking about the ongoing saga of Steve's broken glasses and his unwillingness to get new ones. You stepped on my glasses. That's the reason that I had to get new ones. Uh, this email obviously came in while I was getting my new glasses. Meaning I stepped on yeah. your glasses. You stepped on my glasses. Months and months I, ago. I was wearing them at the you, time. <laughs> that's why you had to get them. I have a theory that might explain this behavior, George writes. On page 157 of your, of your book, The Pint Man, another Pint Man reference, Rodney assures his girlfriend that glasses can indeed procreate. I don't remember the context of that. Uh, I vaguely recall that being a plot point or at least being in there? I think it was in there. I don't think it was a plot no, point. No, it wasn't a plot point. Right. Yes, yes, yes. If so, people I, I, are like, oh, I, I was should, considering I, reading that. I, no should, I should have held that as a separate novel. <laughs> Evidently, Steve must share this belief in all these months he's been patiently waiting for this to occur. While I applaud your optimism, Steve, I think it's safe to, fa- I think it's time to face the facts. We all know that, we all know that the gestational period for ophthalmic product procreation, OPP, is about an hour. You down with OPP? Yes. Yeah, is about yeah, an hour. Yeah. You're stepped on his punchline. Is <laughs> about sorry. an hour. So uh, therefore, at this point, I think it's unlikely your glasses can or will procreate. Perhaps they're too old or even too immature. Uh, maybe they're too unattractive and that chip with that chipped lens and the bent temples. At any rate, I'm on hashtag Team Rebecca on this one. Time to get some new glasses. Well, George, I've done that. I've gotten new glasses and uh, I'll unveil my womanly spectacles. <laughs> To the world in, in about, not in about an hour, but in about a week. Uh, George enjoyed the Pint Man, enjoyed Stingray Afternoon, so I appreciate these two viewer mail plugs. that Those came into uh, ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And as I always say, Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.